From the Cairo Radio Newsroom in Seattle, I'm Dave Ross, and these are the Ross Files. You may have heard that last week Bellevue police arrested four people in connection with a gang murder at a Bellevue park that happened April 3rd. And now we know that one of them was Carlos Daniel Carrillo Lopez, who was here from Guatemala illegally. And on the line with me is Natalie Asher, who is the Seattle Office Director for ICE Enforcement and Removal Operations. Uh, You have confirmed this, that he uh, had no business being here, Natalie? Yes, I sure do, Dave. Um, this individual uh, has has been in our country unlawfully uh, for a few years now. In fact, he came as an unaccompanied child in 2015 mm-hmm. uh, from Guatemala, and he was placed with a sponsor um, at the time, and then eventually uh, joined his his family. Uh, and settled here in the greater Seattle area. So he wasn't he wasn't living on his own. He was living with family members. I don't know specifically where he lived, but at the at the time of coming in as an unaccompanied child, he was placed with sponsor, and then uh, mother was obviously located, and he was transferred to his mother, and they settled here in this area. Okay. Now, of course, he's only under arrest. There's been no trial yet. But had there had you attempted to deport him before? We had not de- attempted to deport him because, unfortunately, we could never get a hold of him. Uh, in fact, Dave, uh, he came to our attention in uh, March of 2019. He had gotten booked in at the South Correctional Entity Jail. And uh, as you all too well know, unfortunately, our immigration detainers are flatly ignored here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, we learned of his booking into that facility. He had uh, originally gone in for, I believe it was um, some some lower level charges, if you will, failure mm-hmm. to comply, criminal trespass in the first degree. So these were nonviolent charges. Well, at, certainly violating, uh, you know, uh, property and and um, right. failure to comply. I, I think uh, those things that he was caught at originally, not necessarily violent, but Clearly, he graduated in his offenses, as we know now that he's he's uh, pending this charge for homicide. But between March and June of 2019, uh, this individual was arrested and booked into jails here in the, in the greater Pacific Northwest in graduated criminal history. Uh, and each time, ICE lodged a detainer with the jail. And, of course, they were flatly ignored. He was released only to commit more egregious crimes. He had gone from theft third degree to then malicious mischief, drug paraphernalia, um, and, you know, even had been booked in in June for robbery. So that's a lot of activity, a lot of criminal activity in the course of four months. And so you asked me originally if we had ever attempted to deport him. Yes. Well, I can tell you with all confidence that had they honored the detainers as they should have, but unfortunately politics get in the way of public safety, we would have encountered him back in March after that first arrest for failure to comply, criminal trespass, and he would have then gotten his due process to go before a judge for removal proceedings. Um, 
and and I can say with confidence that it's it's quite possible uh, that this individual who was murdered uh, could still be alive today. Right, because this so uh, this the first of these crimes. Uh, is alarming that the fact that locals cannot comply with our detainers. Yes, this first crime, this first arrest that um, that's on the rap sheet here was on March fifteenth. the The uh, murder was on April third, and actually, according to this, on April fourth, he was arrested again for local charges that they didn't know at the time or didn't believe at the time that he had been involved in the murder. But uh, yes, I think that's that's safe to say. Of course, it's hindsight, right? I mean, we don't. We don't know what the circumstances are at this place. You can't turn back the clock. Why would they not? Uh, it, what is the the threshold um, at which they would actually cooperate with you? I understand that according to the the official policy, anyway, that if someone's convicted of a charge, then they will cooperate. Is that true or not? Not necessarily anymore these days, Dave. Um, in fact. Uh, is there is a state law that mirrors California SB 54 for Washington State, State uh, Bill 5497, which was passed and uh, uh, with a December 2021 deadline for all state and local entities uh, to not comply uh, with uh, immigration enforcement. And so what this means even even is, upon conviction, because I just want to get this straight, my, my understanding, right. and this is from the Seattle City website, I believe that uh, I know what this happened in uh, the county, but I, I thought the standard was that they were only worried about sending uh, about turning over someone who had only been arrested and not convicted, but that once they were convicted, then uh, that would lead to them cooperating with you. No, we have not had regular compliance or cooperation uh, with the jails as it relates to yeah. arrests or convictions. Now, and in the case, uh, in the in case December of December 2021, it will be complete lockdown. There will be no sharing of information right. whatsoever as it relates to immigration enforcement. Right. Now, in the case of uh, Carrillo Lopez here, uh, did you have any suspicions that he was a gang member? Had you been tracking him before, or was this uh, this initial March arrest? Um, the first time that you encountered him? So that the March uh, time frame was the first time that we learned of his um, presence, if you will, albeit mm-hmm. in a jail. Uh, and how did you learn through, about that if they're, if they're not cooperating? So through so anytime individuals are booked into local law enforcement, they are fingerprinted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these fingerprints go through uh, various databases with FBI and, uh, you know, through a a larger database. Mm -hmm. And if there is an individual, a foreign-born individual booked into a jail that's been fingerprinted with whom we uh, in ICE have had a previous encounter, then it will hit against our systems and we are made aware via our databases. I see. And so in this instance, because... This individual was encountered by Border Patrol when he had come in as an unaccompanied minor. His fingerprints were in the system. So we were made aware when he was booked into the local jail. I see. So you, but you had no idea whether he was part of a gang or anything like that. You just had his fingerprints as a kid. No. Yeah. Uh, However, we do know through Bellevue PD that 
that he did he is a self-admitted gang member. Yeah. And ironically, the chief of Bellevue PD and and he's absolutely correct, you know, saying that you know, now with the tremendous work on the part of of his investigators, um you know, for the 6 months it took them to to find these guys, you know, he's saying that Bellevue's a safer place and that the public uh there's a safer environment and that these guys are behind bars. Well, that is our mantra as well. Uh, my charge, our mission, we take an oath to uphold federal laws that are passed and put into play by Congress. And public safety is first with us. And this is not the only instance uh, of late where we see these individuals with particularly egregious crimes that are released and returned into the public and only to return to their communities. And and more often than not, their victims are people within their own communities. I mean, we've we've got uh we apprehended recently uh an individual who uh had an arrest of a rape of a child, unlawful imprisonment, child molestation. We had a detainer on that individual. It was ignored. Um so it, it's so unfortunate that the misinformation, particularly in this area, has gotten to the point uh, that that my officers are depicted as uh, individuals who have no authority um, to enforce immigration laws and that we're just randomly picking up people. It could not be further from the truth. The majority of the individuals that we are focused on are people with criminal histories, either pending charges criminal convictions, reentry after deportation, that's 90% of our work. And there was a time uh, where we had cooperation, very smooth transfer of custody when we were permitted to go into the jails, King County, uh, all the various county jails here, all the local uh, jails, to interview foreign-born individuals and at that time assess whether or not they were amenable for transfer to ICE. And that, what that does now, that we are not allowed into the jails, I am forced to redirect my resources into the very communities where the politicians are crying foul that I'm out there. Um, and we have to do targeted enforcement operations in those communities to find these public safety concerns. And we will continue to do this. Um, and more often than not, as we are conducting those targeted enforcement actions, we will come across individuals who are associated with these folks who have no lawful uh, um, authority to be here either. Mm-hmm. Whereas had we been able to go to the jail and do our job for safe transfer, I would not be in the communities, nor would I be encountering uh, individuals other than my target. So. This misinformation and this, this uh, I, I believe it's an irresponsible type of um, propaganda that's being put out there uh, that we are going after the, those uh, innocent folks, that's why sanctuary laws are necessary, uh, is misguided. And here we are today, and uh, this case, Carrillo Lopez, is a perfect example of why the system is so broken at this point in that local jails will not honor our detainers. But in this case, the Bellevue police, and this is from the the Bellevue reporter, their article, 
Um, the uh, police say this is a complicated case. Initially, we didn't have any witnesses that were willing to cooperate, so our officers really started this investigation from scratch. To investigate this case, I'm pretty sure they had to talk to a lot of members of the immigrant community, some of whom may have not been here legally and who probably would not have talked if they were worried that the Bellevue police were going to ask them a question that might get them deported. Isn't it true that there are many police departments who are concerned that this policy would make it more difficult to arrest people like this because they require the cooperation of immigrant communities? Well, and I think that's 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 a very good question, but I think there's a sort of an exaggerated misunderstanding as well in that when individuals who are unlawful in the communities are complying and cooperating with law enforcement, uh, it 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 makes it's it's just not good sense to then threaten these individuals with deportation or we're going to get the information from you and now we're going to deport you. That is. That is not how we operate. Um, well, you know that, but you see, from their point of view, they know they're here illegally. They know they have nothing; they don't have a leg to stand on. Why would they? Why would they risk giving information at all? No, I, I understood, but but I think uh, part of those who believe in these sanctuary laws, as they are currently, are, are saying just that—that that, you know, they uh, the the illegal community here, the non-crims. Fear, non-criminals fear that you know ICE will show up and and take them in in the events they cooperate. And again, those are misperceptions, and I, I, I've yet to see any examples or hear of any examples of a case where this actually occurred. So, you know, and again, I have to remind uh, your your audience that more often than not. Um, these criminal aliens prey upon their own communities. I mean, it's a known fact. And so, uh, you know, that, that's Well, that's, that's my point, too. Do you, feel, do you feel that in the current atmosphere that police have the trust of the community, that, that if they were cooperating with you on a regular basis, that they would have the trust of those communities in tracking down these crimes? I, I can't necessarily speak to, you know, how the, how the police departments feel when they're conducting, you know, these types of investigations and who's going to talk and not in the communities. But I just have to go back to the very beginning of all of this is that in this instance, as is the case in many others, uh, we would not be here uh, if these uh, laws were not in place or these policies that don't allow for federal immigration authorities to do our charge, and that is to go into the jails and vet these people before they are released. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would not have some of these tragedies that uh, have occurred as of late. The other problem here, though, is just the way that we have sort of backed off on enforcing the laws, period. Regardless of whether you're involved or not, some of these people should not have been released at all. And, and frankly, should probably be in jail rather than deported because you deport them, they just come back. At least if they're in jail, you know that they're uh, out of circulation. Right. Um, but again, right, we, we have you know, limited resources, limited beds, um, and, and that's something that we in federal law enforcement 
uh, with ICE, I mean, we, we don't, obviously, we, we just await for those individuals to finish their local sentences. Uh, it, it's the locals and, and the states who deem at what point that these individuals are going to be released, whether it's early release or do they do their full term. Um, but again, uh, these sanctuary laws and policies that are in play, and more importantly, the Washington State uh, bill 5497 that will be in that is in play now and again all state and local entities must be in compliance by December of 2021 to no longer cooperate with ICE at all as it relates to providing uh, information so you wouldn't even get the fingerprint information we will get the only fingerprint information that we will get and that's what we get right now are those individuals who we encountered at some time. I see. So again, if someone came across the border illegally or or legally, took their prints at that time, they come into the country, they commit a crime, we will learn of them being booked into a local jail as they are being fingerprinted because it will go against the database when we printed them originally. Mm -hmm. But there are many, many illegal criminal, criminal aliens who are in the country who we never encountered. They came across, they snuck across the border, and they're here. And if their fingerprints are not currently in the database, we will not know that they are being booked in. Uh, so how would you select, if they turn over all the information, and we're, we're talking about basically names and photos, right? How would you, how would you uh, determine which one of those you think are here illegally? Well, that's, we can't. I mean, we, we rely just as uh, most law enforcement, biometrics don't lie. I mean, we're, we're, you know, we're not going to go just uh, against a person's name or what they look like and mm-hmm. determine maybe perhaps they're foreign-born. Uh, uh, that's called profiling, right. of which uh, my officers are accused of doing on a regular basis, and which is not what we do. So we rely on biometrics so that we can ensure that we are targeting the right person as we conduct our enforcement actions. Now, what happens when you make a mistake? I think uh, you recall the incident a few days ago. uh, Brandy Cruz from Q13 was on a ride-along, and you were doing an enforcement operation in Port Orchard, and you uh, stopped a truck with uh, two guys in it who had Hispanic surnames, and uh, they turned out to be American citizens. And, of course, you let them go right right away, but... uh, it was a mistake, and that, I think, is the other concern that, that people have when you talk about profiling, that American citizens will be stopped. And then how do they prove to you that they're citizens since we don't have a, a national ID requirement? So, so let me go back again to the fact that the, our targeted enforcement operations, by and large, are of those individuals who have been released from jails. So... Uh, that we have to go into the communities and look for our targets, um, unfortunately, is is on the occasion if we are conducting our surveillance uh, and a truck, a vehicle pulls out from, let's say, the very address where we know our target is residing. I mean, we have to have all of these these um, leads in order for us to, you know, pull over the vehicle and believe that that our target is in the car. But it becomes that much more complex when we uh, are forced to do our work 
outside of the jails. And so on the occasion, uh, is, if it's a case of mistaken identity, that does happen. But the individual is let go um, because we have no authority to detain them. It was an unfortunate situation, but I have to tell you, um, the job for my officers on a daily basis uh, has become incredibly complicated. And so much of this is because of politics over public safety. We are forced out of the jails and into the communities uh, to, to, to look for these targets. So if they would let you stand outside the jails or tell you when they are releasing people who've been arrested, who you suspect of being here illegally, you wouldn't be out doing these field enforcement operations? We would be doing, we would continue to do immigration enforcement at, at large. I mean, oftentimes, you know, it, it's not that all of those types of operations would cease, but the amount of time that we currently spend in the field looking for these uh, criminal aliens would would be greatly minimized if we could just go back into the jails and, as it were, a few years ago, honoring the detainer, which is the request just to hold the individual until we can get to the jail uh, and bring that person into our custody. So. Mm-hmm. Without that process in play, again, we're, we're left to conducting our operations, but at large. Okay, so given the reality of the situation, you're probably going to be conducting these uh, operations at large, as you say, for the foreseeable future. If someone is uh, stopped who is an American citizen, although he may have an Hispanic surname and be of uh, Hispanic origin, uh, how how does he conclusively prove to you that he is, in fact, a citizen and uh, and should be let go? So, again, you know, case by case, there our officers are trained uh, to, you know, they, they know the questions to ask. Uh, if mm-hmm. Immediately, if, if there's any indication, uh, that the first indicators that they know they don't have their target, they, they let these people go. But I mean, how? Uh, See, this is a question that, that I think is on people's minds. That's what makes them worried. They have, right. well, again, they fit, they fit the profile, whether you're trying to profile them or not. We know the driver's right. licenses, for example, can be faked. Um, right. So how do you go about, if, if you haven't got a passport with you, of course, even passports can be faked from what I understand. How do you go about proving that you should be released? So, so again, with our probable cause, asking the totality, being in the situation, I can't give sort of like a blanket sort of, uh, you know, step-by-step as to how this w- would work in every situation. But the very people that are concerned about this should be the very same people going back to, the, to their politicians and saying, let these ICE officers do their jobs in the jails. This way it minimizes their presence in our communities. We know that they're going to go get the, the individuals that they want instead of having to force them to go look for these people out mm-hmm. in the community. No, I get the wider, I, I get your wider message. I, I'm not going to dispute that. I can see where your job would be much easier. But for people who are listening who would just like some advice on how they can prove to you that they're citizens, is there something, some foolproof document they could be carrying with them that, uh, and, you know, go ahead. Sure. Most individuals, I mean, especially if you're driving a vehicle, I mean, you should have your driver's license on you. You should have some form of identification. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, I, I'm quite sure that 
once that ID, ID is demonstrated or the, after a couple of questions, the officer is satisfied that this, in fact, is not who they thought it was, mm -hmm. then the individual is, is let go. But, you know, I, I don't want to say that this is an, is, is, uh, an epidemic, uh, but I also don't want to dismiss, uh, you know, the concern that an individual would yeah. have if they are pulled over by our officers and, and you know, they're not the target per se, but it, it's with your, with your identification documents that you generally have on your person, especially when you're uh, driving a vehicle or whatnot. I mean, that, that's adequate proof to show my officer or frankly, any law enforcement officer can, in the course of uh, them conducting uh, an encounter with an individual that that, that document should suffice uh, yeah to prove their their identity okay well that's good so people can be reassured now uh the other thing i have to ask you is are there names on a watch list i mean it'd be nice to know if there were people who have not committed their big crime yet who you think are headed in that direction because so far again all we have is hindsight somebody commits a murder we see if they're here illegally we find out they're here illegally then we say oh we could have prevented this murder if we'd gotten him out is there anybody else who you can tell us needs to be deported uh, before they commit their crime? Well, just as any other law enforcement entity, we don't have we don't have a crystal ball to be able to predict who's going to commit crimes. And and you know, frankly, I I don't want to get into that that type of business. Um, it, it's just first and foremost, these people are here illegally. Number one, so that's already breaking a law. Mm -hmm. I don't have the resources to work all of those cases. The volume of, of people here illegally is, is right. far too large. In other words, you don't have any uh, particular red flag cases that no. need to be deported now before they do something horrible. So we work with our local and, and, and federal uh, partners for people who, say, have been already deported and we have indications that they're back and, and perhaps they, they are a suspect in crimes. We we have to rely on our local law enforcement partners in that respect. Um, but for us to be able to predict or project someone who is here unlawfully, uh, illegally, and now they're potentially going to commit a crime that we could otherwise have avoided, I, that's, that's a dangerous slope that we just, we don't, we don't go down. Right. Okay. So that's, I mean, that's the dilemma here to, to really be able to say that we've done something, I guess you have to deport, Everybody on the list. Otherwise, if just one of them commits a, a crime, then suddenly everybody's a criminal. I mean, that's that's the concern that the immigrant rights people have, is that when you go around uh, pointing out only the illegal immigrants who commit these crimes, it sounds like everybody who has come here illegally is uh, a potentially violent criminal. But what you're saying is you have no red flag cases that tell you that at this point. No, the red flags for us are an individual who is here illegally who has now been deemed by a local law enforcement entity to meet their threshold mm -hmm. to be arrested and actually booked into a jail. I mean, we don't make that decision as to who goes into a jail. That's applying prosecutorial discretion right. on the part of the local uh, law enforcement entities. All right, so that's their job. It's their thing. job to get the red flag cases off the streets, whether they're here legally right. or not, right? Right, they make that that yeah. discretion. Is you know that at the time the the severity of the crime, uh, 
Um, is the person a, a flight risk? Is the person a public safety risk? Those are all of uh, the items for consideration uh, that local law enforcement uh, goes through, as do we, as it applies to who right. they're actually going to book into a jail. So it sounds to me, in the, we, in, in the case of Carlos Daniel Carrillo Lopez, the guy who's now accused of murder, the main problem is that the police, at the time he was arrested in March, did not see anything particularly dangerous about them. If they knew he was going to commit a murder the following month, they locked him up themselves, right? For a good long time, seems to me. I would imagine so. But again, someone who uh, we would have encountered him had, uh, if the detainer was honored as it should be, mm-hmm. uh, our detainer, our ask for that individual to come into our custody uh, in March when it was criminal, uh, what was it, trespass in first degree, I believe. Yeah. Um, right, you could have deported him, but he could have also snuck back in, because a lot of them do. That's that's correct, too. Yeah. But the mere fact that, uh, you know, the detainers are ignored, and this individual goes out, and within four months is numerous times booked into um, into jail, Right. And we by local authorities, by local authorities who every time they booked him still didn't see anything dangerous about him, which is the, you know, the strange thing to me is even after he committed robbery, um, uh, and I guess he was in, I guess he would have been in jail for that, though, at the time they uh, solved the murder because they've got him now. Right. Yeah, I, I can't speak for, yeah. you know, what what they were thinking or reasoning on this individual. But again, underlying to all of this uh the fact that this imp- this person was here uh, and committing these crimes, um, he should have come to our custody uh, way back in March, and we could have dealt with him being here and committing those crimes and and uh, looking at, to see if he was amenable for removal proceedings. But to be flatly ignored, um, it, it just it's it's just it's unconscionable at this point. Natalie Asher is the Seattle Office Director for ICE Enforcement and Removal Operations. Natalie, thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Remember that when there's a longer version of the interviews on Seattle's Morning News, you can usually find it right here in the original form, unconstrained by the limitations of a live broadcast. And you can subscribe so that when someone says, did you hear what was on Seattle's Morning News, you can say, not only that, I heard the part that wasn't on Seattle's Morning News. So my advice is to subscribe, and then when we talk to an author, a politician, an entrepreneur, an artist, a scientist, a teacher, a journalist, a celebrity, you'll hear every word. I'm Dave Ross. Thanks for tuning in.